0: Welcome back, everyone. We had quite an eventful. Lex, you know what? I gotta tell you something. You are a jinx. Ha. Last week, you uh, you had to jinx the Connor band Chris Eubank card by saying, I think it's four words, and you jinxed it. You said, I'm excited for it.
1: I, I like this fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, well... You know what happened, right? We woke up. Oh, of course I know what happened. 20. I'm actually
1: disappointed that we didn't predict this potential. It's, it was very obvious going into
0: it. But. It's obvious in hindsight, but if, if it was that obvious, certainly two of us of at least average intelligence should have been able to say it on the podcast, but neither of us did, unfortunately. But well, I,
1: I went on record with a friend, and I told him, Connor Ben is a 1,000% a dirty fighter he he's like he's he's not from well he is from america but he doesn't live in america currently he's like oh i like connor ben i hope that's not true and the first thing he did was you were right you called it i did, I just didn't say it for this particular fight
0: but so well he said in the past um but no there, there there's definitely uh there were some signs and symptoms in the past for connor ben but um we wake up i think it was on wednesday morning or something find out that Connor Ben had tested positive for a PED, but everything was still going to go ahead, which was a little concerning for anybody who heard it. And then we were supposed to do a podcast on it. Obviously, that would be something that we'd get on there, but I didn't feel right because I just felt like we were going to be doing a podcast on a moving target. And by the time the podcast went live, we would have had to have retracted statements or we would have not known the latest development, and so I kept putting it off and putting it off and kind of good because I actually thought that the fight was still gonna go ahead. did you uh yes, i did yeah i that must be like some like real like weird, hardened pessimist of boxing, unfortunately, but uh, the fight did not go ahead um for those of you who are like, what are you talking about?" So Conor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. were supposed to fight in a pay per view in the UK, which would have been a his pay per view. They, you know, there's there was a lot of talk about how important this fight was to the platform and that they needed this pay per view to do well. They promoted it decently, um, and they had the built-in storyline with the two dads and all this stuff. And then Conor Ben tested positive for clomiphene which is something that's used in like in vitro fertilization meant to, uh, is it produce estrogen or something? Well, I I don't know what it does exactly. But what I do know is that in men, it could increase the production of testosterone, which I mean, if you don't know why that's important, um, you can go Google it, but it's pretty important for athletes, specifically combat sports athletes, but all athletes really. And, um, now, that's like all the easy part. The difficult part is in how this positive test comes to be because they, as a fight, you know, they're fighting in the U- UK, which means that they would only be subjected to the UK anti doping tests as mandated by the British Board of Boxing of Control or something like that. But they um, passed those tests, but Conor Ben failed a VADA test. They, for whatever reason, added VADA testing on Conor Ben test positive through VADA, and then Conor Ben's team, but mainly Eddie Hearn, argues that the fight should still be allowed to go on because they uh, were not like it was technically a VADA test that he failed, and there he questioned whether it was a legitimate failure or not, but. The British board did not recognize VADA. They only recognized the UK anti-doping, which means that Conor Ben should still be allowed to fight. And he pushed and pushed and threatened legal action and all this stuff in order to ensure that the fight would go through on Saturday. Uh, Wisdom prevailed, albeit at the behest of Eddie Hearn, because the fight was ultimately postponed, quote-unquote. We'll see if it ever actually happens while they sort out the B sample, which had yet to be sent out, I believe. And so here's where things get really tricky, though, is that while Hearn contradicted himself in every possible way, literally, like, directly contradicting statements he had made um, for the Billy Joe Saunders and Demetrius Andre fight where Saunders had failed uh, a couple years ago. Complete change in stance and position on everything, really. And um, but the thing is, apparently they knew he tested well in, or he tested positive well in advance of when we actually found out. And the only reason why it appears that this this whole news got out is because they didn't come clean earlier. Someone leaked it. And then on the week of the fight, uh, a publication in the UK comes out and says, well, Bad tested positive. And then everything started to go forward in terms of like trying to resolve the positive test, but everyone was trying to keep it a secret. And that's kind of like the whole crazy situation we have here is like, you have a bunch of parties complicit to this positive test and willing to allow a a dirty fighter enter the ring. More details have come out. There was a catch weight at one fifty seven, but the rehydration limit was 160 pounds for Chris Eubank jr. Eubank was giving up a lot in terms of his, natural advantages in order to make the fight happen, and really putting himself truly behind the eight ball by not only accepting the crazy rehydration limit for a guy that's fought like half of his career at 168, but also for a guy, fighting a guy who was dirty. So that is where we're at with the situation. Um, So first up, what do you think about Chris Eubank Senior? He got checked into a mental facility, I think a week or two before the fight. This guy started to have concerns over the fight. He gets locked away in the mental facility. I mean, how do you think he's feeling today?
1: He's probably relieved that the fight is off. I mean, didn't his other son die somehow? He got murdered yeah, or something? But I don't I think he was
0: boxing related.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't in a fight or anything like that. It was, didn't he get, yeah, I thought he got murdered, but whatever, it could have been a lot of things. But ultimately, like, when he came out and said he's like, or at least I saw that he said, I don't know if he truly said it, but, you know, like, I already lost one son. I don't want to lose another one. Like, the timing of that comment fits in very well with this failed test. So he may have caught wind of it. I think maybe he leaked it. Maybe he leaked it. I mean, I, I like that theory a lot. It would make a lot of sense.
0: Um, I think, first of all, Eddie Hearn as a promoter, uh, the dis- really the way he's trying to spin and, and wiggle his way out of every step of this, I think the the British board actually has to come down hard on this because you can't let this be a precedent. You can't let anybody off the hook here. Dude's got to get suspended over this. And and the argument that because it wasn't a UK test means that you can't punish us because technically we we are not we are clean by yearbook. That's ridiculous. Um, Vada uses standards that are pretty pretty standard for most legitimate drug testing agencies. That should one hundred percent be recognized. It's like if you drove your car in California and like hit the sidewalk and decided to run over eight pedestrians. And you're wondering why you're not allowed to drive in New York. It's like, I mean, yeah, technically you didn't kill eight pedestrians in, in, you know, state in New York, but we got similar laws to California. We're just not going to allow you behind the wheel here. Um, but I think Hearn should probably be suspended. I think Ben obviously should be suspended. Um, Especially because uh, the nature of the, the, the drug as well. This was not like, you know, clambuterol contamination, which we've seen in the past before. This seems like it is like part of a concerted, uh, what do they call it? Like it's part of a concerted cycle of ways to get himself prepared in a way that gave him an unfair advantage. But um, it's unfortunate because you were looking forward to this fight.
1: I was definitely hyped up for this fight. I thought it was going to be like a, a fun and interesting fight. But I I do think that like this outcome was still fun and interesting, but just for different reasons. Because I'm not like, <laughs> like this is kind of like a selfish thing to say, but I'm not really too invested in either fighter. Like I don't, I don't take Conor Ben serious. I don't take Eubank serious. I don't take Eddie Hearn serious, and I definitely don't take Kale Sauerland serious or whatever my man's name is. So like. Seeing the fallout from this, it was satisfying because many people have called out Eddie Hearn for being what he is for a while. And, like, just like we discussed on our lot, last podcast, for whatever reason, like, everyone in boxing wants everyone to succeed. So we turn the blind eye a lot of the time. I mean, maybe not us specifically, but it could be boxing writers or certain fans, they want everyone to succeed. And I think this situation is something where, like, it it was so bad that you can't take that approach anymore. Like, someone could have died in the ring for sure. And it really makes you wonder how much other foul, underhanded stuff has happened with Eddie Hearn fights in the UK before. I mean, this sounds very similar to the Dillian White situation with Oscar Rivas, except like, we didn't find out until after the fight was done, basically, that Dillian White had failed the test or whatever. Do I have that correct?
0: Um, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, who knows what else is going on. So, it's kind of like Eddie is has, he's playing with fire. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's been doing this scandal. At, he's been behavior, behaving in not-so-good way for a minute, and it's, it's starting to catch up with him, I think
0: uh yeah so it's the, the whole situation's a mess and like you're right i think it th- this is one of those things where it's like good for content you know we can make podcasts and stuff like that and there's certainly a lot of things to follow i mean it's what the crazy thing that i'm seeing is like the british media has 100 turned i think not just on Hearn, but certainly on hern and and D- matchroom and, and, and Hearn are really the results are really like getting the bulk of the like the criticism and the blame here. But like boxing itself is coming under fire in the UK through these tabloids. Uh, there was a piece today that's like, and it's also crazy to see this level of investigative journalism because we're not used to it here in the United States. The the journalism scene for boxing with the exception of about two people is a fucking joke. And most of these guys who cover the sport, um, they care more about maintaining their relationships, um, making sure that they can still be friends and hang out with promoters instead of actually reporting on the sport with like an objective eye and really trying to find out the truth. And so we're seeing these publications in the UK doing legitimate journalism here. And Hearn got torched in a piece by the Daily Mail, I think it is, where um, they just did they just ran the numbers. They're like, look, 30% of the fights that the, the main event you know, you look at all the guys who fought main event fights on these shows over the past thing was like a year or so 30% of them have tested positive for a performance enhancing drug. That's pretty high, especially because we were trying to in the chat today, we were trying to look at what guys for top rank and for PBC, like who's tested positive. And like the no, the list is pretty small. It's like Oscar Valdez, John Pascal, We're talking recent guys. We can. We don't want to go back and and do ancient history because then shit starts to get sad real quick. But um, you know, it was like a handful of like four or five guys, really, and that was it. And but thirty percent over the last year or so with it. Like I think it was like over the last four years, it's like eighteen percent, still pretty high. When and it, it kind of also points to punishment for using performance enhancing drugs is pretty tame when uh in 2022 dudes were coming in at 30 percent of guys in main events are testing positive or had tested positive in the past uh so yeah you jinxed that card unfortunately i was looking i was looking forward to the fight too i thought it was kind of like a i think you and i both are in agreement that we like the, the the fights that are it's like we know that the agreement here is that this is more entertainment than like pound for pound status fights you know is like entertainment and then there's prestige i think there's a term for it in the tv but there's like prestige television which is like hbo dramas and stuff like that and then there's just like trash tv and it's fun to watch trash tv sometimes so yeah um so the card we did get though was a sebastian fundora card would you uh
1: i hey, real I, quick I, I would i would just- real quick, like I, I want to say one last thing on the the Conor Ben thing. I want to ask the listeners and feel free to like tweet us, chime in in the chat, let us know how should we take people who test positive in a sport? I think that there should be a much greater punishment. I think like if you test positive, you shouldn't be allowed to compete for a championship belt for X amount of years and all the sanctioned bodies should be able to get behind that. My problem with drugs in boxing is we choose when to get angry about it. If it's a guy that we feel is useful, and and we're all guilty of it. I mean, like, we're all guilty of it. At times, we've probably all cheered for someone who's who's tested, positive, or not tested positive, but maybe using, or someone we like, or, or wanna see fight, they were using, and we kinda like turned the blind eye, but ultimately, it's whack. Certain guys test positive and no one cares. Certain guys cheat in other ways other than drugs and no one cares. And then other guys get the books thrown at them. And it's like, what, like, what is the right approach? Cause I'm just, I, I get tired of like these big debates of like, oh, this, like, whenever someone tests positive, right? You have all these writers and promoters who come out and they'll be like, oh, like I, I know they're, they're gonna break down like which drug it was and like the window and why it's such a disgrace. But like, y'all were complicit too at some point. Like, what what really needs to happen is there needs to be a solution. And it, it's just whack me because a fighter I like, probably several different times, has lost to a cheater. Like, I'm gonna just throw one out random. Cotto versus Pacquiao. I like Cotto. That was my guy back in the
0: day. That's he got torched you by Pacquiao. Kodo? <laughs> huh? That's the one you'd use for Cotto.
1: I it, I want to I want to use two fighters who aren't active. Just so no one gets upset. But,
0: but if you're going to use Kodo, like the obvious one is the Margarito fight, because like that was literally the whole.
1: But w- what was weird about the Margarito fight, right, was like people caught Margarito after the fact, so it was kind of like, how do you even like, like, how do you go about that?
0: But that's typically how guys get caught is after the fact, but um, or at least for a long time that was how it was. I think one issue is that.
1: Oh, and real quick, like, because I'm sure someone out there is like, well, Pacquiao never got caught, which he didn't. like, come on, like you, you and I both know that Pacquiao probably wasn't clean and no one cared because people wanted to see that Pacquiao get at Floyd. So we we turned a blind eye. Like Pacquiao was useful for the agenda. If Floyd if Floyd, if Floyd just came out, out of nowhere at, at 30, whatever years old and started knocking shit out, like Deontay Wilder. I guarantee you they would have been up his ass with all types of like drug investigations and stuff like that. It never
0: happened. I think, I I think that, um, specifically is different. And the reason why it's different is because like people were like, Floyd was the bad guy for a long time because he wanted the Olympic style drug testing for the Pacquiao fight. And somehow he was the bad guy. So, um, you know, different, there's was a different time. But I think like, you know, if we're looking at boxing right now, and, and it's always important to remember this, because when it gets hard to follow boxing, when it gets hard to look at social media, you have to remember that no one is held to the standard of being objective. No one. The only people that have that facade of like they're holding people up is when they disagree with you so if somebody disagrees with some shit we say on this podcast which happens frequently we get called out and i i at least try to hold myself to that standard so you can always go at me and i'll take it but i don't think lex you really don't operate this way where you're like trying to be objective like a journalism journalism journalist or whatever not that i'm saying i'm a journalist i'm really not but you know what's I, funny I, though?
1: Is I, I I am objective when it does come down to entertainment. See, that's the thing, is like people uh, you
0: pick and choose though. And, and it's not true, because guess point. what?
1: Guess what? Of, of of all the fights that you think I probably wouldn't be excited about, I was hyping out Ben versus you, Ben. Because I like entertaining fights. You I, I don't care about belts. I there you will never hear me on all the podcast episodes where I was like, Oh, he has to go get the belt. Like that's not my thing. I don't even care to be honest about like perceived good matchups like Josh Taylor versus like Jose Zapaters. Like that's not like I, I will watch a fight, even though that's a cool fight. Right. I will watch. I will see a matchup and be like, that's either entertaining or that's not entertaining. And I don't care who puts it on. If it's entertaining or it, it lends itself to the narrative of a weight class. I like it.
0: Yeah, but that, if, it, that's if it's what just I'm like about. That's huh? what I'm talking about. Um, what I'm talking okay, what about,
1: though, about? I'm sorry.
0: is most people, fans and the media alike, the, the, they have a lot more in common with, like, I don't know, your random Dolphins fan or your random Manchester City fan. You have a lot more in common with, with those fans than you do with, like, being an objective journalist. But boxing doesn't have, like, a really structured team uh like system so it's really hard to to like really identify fans but the reality is most people are just fans and you know the one thing you do when you are a fan when your guy commits a foul or he's he's in the wrong you tend to give him some slack when your guy tests positive you're more like yeah but I mean he really didn't know what he was taking like you know he's hanging out with this crowd or whatever you make excuses for him and that happens a lot in boxing. And that's why I think when you have certain guys test positive and they clearly like, you know, to half the fan base, they're bad and wrong because they cheated. But there's also half the other people that are like, yeah, but the, the British board wasn't acknowledging Vana testing. So why should this fight not happen? So I I think that's partly why that sort of dynamic exists in boxing. And it just becomes really muddy. The waters become really muddy um, when it comes time to look at this stuff. And like nobody's really trying to do that type of work. And the way how this all started is just I brought up that like this tabloid is doing real journalism. And it's a breath of fresh air compared to what we get over here, which is typically really no investigative effort put in really because nobody wants to endanger their relationships and their access that they get you know if you write top rank is known in the industry for being very very sensitive to this stuff so like if you write a bad article about nico ali uh whatever his name is um nico walsh you write that the 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 whole muhammad ali thing is is a is a fraud and stuff like that you're probably not going to be able to talk to Lomachenko. They'll just punish your ass. So that that's that's how this goes. So this going
1: be we should do a, a whole separate Patreon topic on this topic or episode, I'm sorry, not topic. Cuz I can keep going on this, but I do want to talk about the Fundora card. So
0: uh No, let's get on the Fondura card. So, Sebastian Fundora, decision win over Carlos Ocampo, who Errol Spence stopped in one round. Um, I, <laughs> so, somebody in the chat was at the fight. I didn't get to go to this one. And um, he acknowledged that he was drunk or had been drinking. But he's like, I thought that fight was a lot closer. So, let me get your take. As somebody who watched on TV, was that a close fight? I'm not, I
1: would say no, but like, uh, Ocampo was game. You know what I mean. Like, he was getting beat up, but he was in there putting in effort and not going away. And contrary to whatever the fuck Jack Reese was doing and saying, like, you you still got to put the fighter out. And Fundor never did that. So
0: I did. I, I couldn't hear the TV where I was at when I was watching it. Explain the Jack Reese thing to me.
1: So. I forget in which round, but like Ocampo was like losing the fight and he was kind of fading towards the end, but not fading. Like it looked like he might get stopped, but he may not basically. In one of the rounds, he was like in Ocampo's corner telling him like he needs to like pick up the effort, but it, it wasn't like in the typical way a ref would. It was like very like disruptive to the fight. And then around later, if I remember correctly, I guess Ocampo's corner had put water on the ground so he could catch a breath, whatever. Jack Reese goes to like the commission people and he's like, find them. Like they're creating a distraction or something. It's just like, bro, like what the fuck are you doing? And like, what's like, just fucking wipe the water up, man. You're, you're, this guy's always doing the most, man. But yeah, so the Ocampo's corner, I initially I thought it was Ocampo, but Ocampo's corner.
0: I guess caught a fine for like putting water on the ground.
1: Um, he was just doing some typical Jack Reese shit. He's so annoying
0: because, um, like I knew he was doing some because, like, I just expect that of Jack Reese. And, um, on Twitter after the fight, I saw everyone clowning or, or just like really going at Jack Reese. And I mean, if you listen to this podcast literally from the start, it was like I don't know, seven years ago at this point. I can't believe we, we're still here. But, um, I've always hated Jack Reese and not even like, uh, on a, he can't do his job level, but it's like personal with me, but he also can't do his job. I think he's fucking terrible at it. And, um, yeah, this is what happens when you like give this dude, like the platform, you gas him up as like being a great referee. The only thing that Jack Reese wants to do is make sure that you know that he's doing his absolute best to be a good referee. And typically what that means is he's getting in the way of the action. I think I saw somebody say that he told Ocampo, Ocampo to punch harder.
1: Yeah, that, that may have been what he said. I forget what he said. In, I was just like, I, I kind of tuned it out because I just hate Jack Reese. This is not a good ref to me.
0: Ocampo had some like moments where it looked a little dicey for him. But I thought overall, throughout that fight, he consistently was able to tag Fundora. Not that he was winning rounds, not that he was running away with the fight, not that he was even making the fight close, but you can lose 12-0, which I don't think he did, but you theoretically can lose 12-0 and still give a guy a fight. And I thought that that's what Ocampo did there. As a guy coming in who was just a, you know something with the WBC that... Fundura had to get out of the way. He fought a lot better than that could have been. You know, he could have gotten a guy in, in the rankings that was just there because his managers paid the WBC to be on those rankings. And then Fundura smokes him in three. Now, Ocampo came there and was trying to win. He just wasn't better than Fundura.
1: I mean, I agree 100%. Not much I disagree with. Fond- Ocampo tried. It just, he, he doesn't have enough power in his punches. You know, like the way he, he would turn his punches over. He was landing and reaching his target, but his either his form or his power just wasn't correct enough to really like hurt Fandor in a way that would like make him that slow him down. I guess.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> did you see that one tweet uh, where the guy basically said that Jamel would make Fandor wear lipstick?
1: Yes, that was funny.
0: That was wildly like out of pocket. <laughs> but like you know, coming out of this fight, do you do you think Fundora is one of the top guys at 154?
1: Yeah, I think he's earned the right to like to to be in that conversation at that point. Because like the whole 154 looks a little different than it used to. Because we don't know what Jared Hurd is doing, right? We don't know what J Rock is doing. So take those two out of the equation. You have Charlo, Costano, Tony Harrison, Erickson Lubin, Fandora. Uh, did I, I didn't say Tim Zo yet? So Tim Zo, That's six guys. Who Who else is out there exactly?
0: I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I mean, well, who I'm else not is fully? Well, what, wait, wait, what name?
1: Decide. What names am I forgetting?
0: Oh, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing on the names. I think you 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 basically summed it up at this point. But
1: no, um, real quick. So like, my comment is like. Fundora would probably be favored against either favorite or even with all those guys except for Charlo.
0: I, I think those are all top guys at 154, like or, or the better guys at 154. Um, but I think I look at Fundora and I feel I feel a little bit the same way about Tim zoo. They are top guys at 154 simply because they're the only unknown entities at this point. Everyone else we know what it is with them. We know that Jermel mops him up he, if he hasn't already. And he basically already has either directly or indirectly through beating guys who those guys were not able to get past. Tim Zhu and Sebastian Fundora are the two guys left. And I think by, by virtue of these guys continuing to win, but also uh, not really fighting anybody of note, it leads me to believe that these guys are like really just the last two guys to like be there for Jermel to fight. But I don't know, man. I watched that fight on Saturday, and it's just really clear to me that <clears throat> if I feel like if Fedora, if, if you, and I think Lubin, your boy, is a perfect example of this. Like, If you're not able to keep your cool with the pressure and the size, then you're in deep shit because it will overwhelm you. And for a guy like Ocampo, who I don't think was really bothered, and and also part of this is because he was a little taller than I think anybody realized, but he didn't look bothered by the size or the pressure. And because of that, he was actually able to pretty effectively keep Fundora from having that sort of like walk-you-down, fright-train approach that that works so well against Lubin.
1: Yeah and I want to take what you said a step further I think like against Fandora you can't fight at his pace I think a mistake Lubin made was like he went into like the guns blazing against Fandor because if you throw a lot against Fandora you're going to get hit a lot because he just has crazy physical dimensions but what Ocampo was able to kind of show is like, if you kind of just take your time and like don't completely engage with them, maybe like work from the outside a little bit then get back inside a little bit mix it up, rinse and repeat, he's not going to be as dangerous. It's still going to be a tough fight because he has crazy dimensions but it it takes the uh, wind out of his sails a little bit.
0: I think Fandua kind of gassed in the fight. And I feel like, so? yeah, not, not like he was out there sucking wind gas, but I think, I don't know, in all the fights where Fundura has tried to box, he's wound up looking gassed. If you look at the Sergio Garcia fight, uh, this guy, he wound up stopping him late, but I can't remember what his name is that he fought. It was like an, it, it was like his first FS1 fight, I believe. Um, but he he did look great in that fight, and I think every time he tries to box, he winds up somehow using more energy than he does when he throws a hundred punches. And I think they kind of got to stop having this guy box because it just really doesn't seem like it's what he wants to do. And it's not like he gets hit any less.
1: Yeah, you, I, I I don't really see the like like what who the fuck is he boxing for for like what's. What you, What's the point? Like, his best shit is just going in there and trying to towering or inferno you. So, like, wh- who is he boxing? If he fights Charlo, that boxing shit is not working. He's going to try to jab his way to a victory and get his head taken off. If he tries to brawl, he's going to get his head taken off. Uh, so, scrap that fight. Everyone else, if he brawls, he'll probably be in a more advantageous situation. I actually really would like to see the Tony Harrison fight. Ocampo made me more interested in seeing that
0: i look i I, I want to see fundura fight everybody I mean realistically, like I think they're all good fights, but I actually want to see ocampo um back I think Ocampo was good enough in the fight that I need to see this dude get tossed out there again, maybe a little little crossroads fight between Ocampo and like someone like Brian perella uh
1: bro, like I, like I like Brian Parella, he's a cool little dude. But like, he, he's like, if we're gonna bring Ocampo back, we could we could come up with like more interesting matchups. I think.
0: Winner fights Jesus Ramos.
1: I mean, why don't you just give him Jesus Ramos or, or put him in with Jesus Ramos?
0: Because he's coming off a loss.
1: But guess what? He he went the distance. If Jesus Ramos stops him, huge feather in the hat.
0: I don't know, man. I think I would prefer to see this dude. Uh... Ramos come, fight somebody coming off of a win. What about
1: hey, what about Ocampo versus Joey Spencer? Far,
0: that's a good fight.
1: <laughs> your boy, your favorite <laughs> fighter in all of boxing
0: right now. Honestly, he kind of that. That's kind of what Joey needs because Joey needs to fight somebody that that's going to like actually not put us to sleep. So yeah, I, I'm all for that. Uh, on the co-main, Carlos Adamas knocks out. Juan Macias Montiel, and what was actually a I thought that was just gonna be all out war and it was like pretty boring for the first three rounds until these dudes just started to let loose, and then uh we got probably like sixty seconds of violence before the fight was over, but though that sixty seconds was uh fantastic, so I saw a tweet that i I definitely don't agree with, but I thought it was funny nonetheless that. Jamal Charlo ducking Carlos Adamas. I saw
1: that tweet. I'm like, how, how, like, people, I'm tired of certain words being used in boxing. Like, ducking, we got to remove from like the boxing vocabulary. And like, this is another one that I saw like Max Kellerman use. I'm just like, yo, like, enough. Like, just stop saying that. Like, no one's ducking. Okay. Carlos Adamas wasn't even on the radar until two, two nights ago. Like, no one was talking about Carlos Adamas. How can you duck a guy that was basically irrelevant uh, up until two nights ago?
0: Um, how much is how much of a, a dominance of success is because there's something in the air with the Dominican fighters right now?
1: They got it going, man. Um, yo, shout out to his trainer. What's my guy uh, Santos? Is it Bob Santos?
0: Bob Santos.
1: He's got a couple of those dudes, and whatever he's doing with the DR crew right now, it's really working, man. Like he has all these guys looking good, fighting good. And and we've seen this in boxing, like we've seen it. It's like sometimes it's the Filipino fighters. Sometimes it's like we've seen it with the Eastern European guys. Like sometimes certain flags come through and they make a lot of noise. And it's and I mentioned in the pod, it's it's Dr's time right now for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean it was a great win. He definitely had a lot less trouble with Montiel than Jamal Charlo did. Uh, although there are a lot of factors that were different about that fight than this one. But, um, yeah, I thought Adamas did really well. I think he he, like, is the kind of win where you really make your case for being a guy that is viable for the other world champions at middleweight because what you lacked in Montiel being, like, some elite fighter, you gained in being exciting. You gained in getting a finish. And so I think that is going to help Adamas, I think, get a, a much bigger fight, whether that be with Jamal, which I think is not out of the realm of possibility, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends on what Jamal is going to do coming back from a back injury. But um, yeah, I, I thought that this was a good win for Adamus. I mean, I, so like my feeling with Adamas and like, you know, Putting aside, like you know, we're, we're happy for the Dominican fighters and blah blah blah. Um, you know, I still remember the guy who lost to Patrick Deshara, and so that's not fully out of my memory when I think about this guy. So as much as I like, am happy for the the win that he's gotten, like there's a part of me that's just like, I mean, but you still lost to Patrick Shara. Nah,
1: I'm not. I'm not subscribing. I'm not subscribing at all. I think. We've seen this before. We've seen this with Andy Ruiz. Like I, I messaged you, and I want to say this on the pod. I want this on wax. Let's take a look. Actually, it's going to be a little out of context. So let me just say this for now. We've seen this with Andy Ruiz before, and we've seen this with other guys. Like you can have like a flukish loss, and then like a couple months or a couple years later, like you can redeem yourself. And just having that 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 confidence that yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I have a team that believes in me. Yeah, I found the right t- a situation where, like, this promotional company is giving me fair shots. And I don't have to worry about, like, getting dropped or, like, not getting the proper money or whatever. It changes fighters. And I think we're seeing it with, with, with Adam S. Like, and to be honest, I'm a huge fan of the Charlos. But I don't, I think for me, I don't know if you'll agree, but I think Charlo has shown some complacency. You know, he's got he got the WBC belt, the real one, because of whatever Canelo's like franchise status or whatever. That's weird. Um, And he's been in good fights, but he hasn't really had his like back to the against the wall. And we've seen this in the past with some PBC fighters where like they're getting paid really well and they don't have that hunger because of it. And I don't I don't know. I don't know what Maul's mind state is right now. I know they said he got hurt. A back injury. I don't know if that's true. I have different <laughs> thoughts about what may be going on with him. Uh, and if it's true, if he doesn't him? come to a, a Carlos Adams fight, totally locked in and committed to his training and ready for war, I think that's a fight he could lose. Honestly.
0: Well, I mean, look, based off of what we saw in the Montiel fight, Jamal did not look unbeatable in that fight. Um, th- and so what you would be projecting, and and I think, kind of. He's earned this right by being a good fighter for so long that you look at that performance and say that that looks like the anomaly against a career that's been, for the most part, excellent. And But, you know, it does show that he's not unbeatable.
1: I mean, like, he, he's a great fighter, but at the end of the day, you know, like, you get what you put into it. And if he has shown some complacency, it might be some Peter Quillin shit. We're like, yeah, we had this guy with the W, I think the WBC. He was getting paid a lot of money and he wasn't moving it at the right pace and locked in. And you got in front of a guy who is fucking locked in and like can fight a little bit and the shit, it doesn't go your way. So I don't i don't know, man. I, I, I would, again, I'm a huge fan of the Charlo's, but Maul specifically needs to like, you know, just get locked in again. That's it.
0: Yep. Um and then the opener, Fernando Martinez, scores another victory. Decision went over German on Cajas. If you didn't see this one coming, I don't know what to tell you guys. This had uh <laughs> repeat written all over it.
1: Yeah, I mean, not much to say. It was uh like you said, it's pretty predictable. Um like, where does uh What's my man? What's the dude's name who won? Uh, help me out. Uh, Fill in the blank. The winner. Where, where does he go from here? Martinez. Yeah, Martinez. Where does Martinez go from here? Can you I mean, can you answer
0: or not? I think most people would say, find a way to re uh, to unify with Ioka. The issue is, every like almost it's all. When you have a guy like like uh, Martinez, it's almost impossible to take the next step and not let people down because so few people, like, you know, there's probably people that listen, listen to this podcast. You can think of a few fighters. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about the casuals who make up the majority of fans. And I think it's hard because they're only about, a couple names if that that they'll recognize and so those are the guys that'll come up as potential opponents for martinez and the reality is those fights probably won't happen next they're unifications yoka fights in japan for the most part those are hard fights to make and so my theory is that probably he'll get the mandatory or whatever he's got to fight and in Realistically, probably because of the time that's passed, he will have to fight a mandatory and um people won't be happy. But but then again, is one fifteen. How many people realistically care?
1: You know, and that's kind of why I asked, is like I can't even name any PBC guys that are popular at that weight class. So it's kinda like interesting to think like where like do they just let him go off to another platform? I don't even know what the next step would be for him
0: um, are, Do you know who Art LeBeau is? Can you repeat that? Do you know who Art LeBeau is? No, I'm not familiar with Art LeBeau I mean, if you were from Southern California, you'd know But I do died
1: Oh, I saw that the radio, dude I saw someone tweet that
0: I mean, it, 97 years old He got pneumonia My man, I don't think he had a chance
1: I mean, he had a good run, 90-something years old. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty nice, you know?
0: Yo, I, I honestly, I wonder how long he had been working because I feel like he might have actually been working probably up until the last couple of years, which is crazy to think about. Um, I mean,
1: shout to him if he was.
0: I did not watch the Mean Machine Michael Fox fight. Did you watch it?
1: I did. I did watch it.
0: G- give me the rundown on it. I mean, I predicted it correctly. I didn't think
1: Mean Machine would be able to stop Michael Fox because when Fox would be under pressure, you know, he'd he'd move around a bit, and he's a pretty good boxer. Like, you know, just being like, use your jab, move, use your jab, move, hold. And uh, after, I think it was the third or the fourth, Mean Machine knocked him down two times. And after that, it was just Mean Machine pressuring Fox moving and not, not largely effective, so it was just like a nine-three kind of fight. I mean, it wasn't you know after the third round, it were, it really wasn't too exciting. I know Fox gets mad love on boxing Twitter because he like interacts with people and is, and is in the the spaces, but that was just a tricky matchup for him. And uh, but it's cool because now like you know me machine, he he got a win with PBC, like throw him into the one forty seven picture. Him versus Thurman is cool. Him versus Ugas is cool. Him versus Boots is cool. It'll be cool for another good welterweight to be in the mix with the rest of the guys at PBC.
0: You think he's sticking around?
1: I mean, like, where else could he go? You know, like, he already fought and lost to Virgil. Top rank has no one at 47, so, like, what? I don't even see, like, what else could he do? uh Or I guess he could fight, like, Conor Ben or something after a suspension maybe, but I don't see that.
0: (laughs) Uh yeah I don't, I don't I don't know about that. Something tells me that they don't got uh a dude like Mean Machine in the in the crosshairs for um you know for Conor
1: Right. So so the question then is like who at PBC would you like to see Mean Machine fight?
0: You know the thing that motherfucking Cody Crowley. How about that? I I was thinking probably
1: would be a nice little fight for Mean Machine.
0: But here's the thing: they got so many guys at 147 that, like, you just just throw a name out there, like throw Ugas in there when when he has vision back in both of his eyes.
1: I like I want to save Ugas for Thurman. I really want Ugas and Thurman. I think that's like a real cool fight.
0: That's not happening.
1: <laughs> Why not? What's wrong with that?
0: I think that fight is too expensive. Is it? Yeah, I think that's that that's too expensive of a fight
1: damn i didn't think it was that it would be that pricey <clears throat>
0: yeah i think both guys coming off of pay-per-views keith thurman obviously a big name uh ugas has a you know a bit of a big name but not necessarily like um he ain't Thur- thurman's level but still coming off the pay-per-view i mean two straight pay-per-views for ugas i think that's i think that's a very expensive fight that probably doesn't happen I, you know, just kind of mentioning it. I don't know who Ugas is going to fight when he comes back. Um. Okay, so saw a little tweet earlier today. Something that we've, I know I've been saying on the podcast for months now. Since Tank's last fight, since the Rolly fight, I've made it very clear that the fight with Ryan was next. Whether you believe me or not, Well, it looks like, based off of the tweeting today, that it is indeed next. Where do you sit on this?
1: I mean, I think it's next. I I don't pay too much attention to their tweeting. Um, But I I just don't really see where either goes next. It's just a a lot of money on the table. If they make the fight, Um, I would favor Tank. But it's not like Ryan has zero chance so i i think it's like a good time to take the gamble if you're your golden boy i don't think you need the, uh, the zone to make the deal i think there's enough money in this fight that everyone can be happy and usually when that's the case we get the fight so i, I definitely see the fight happening and the, the twitter banter is, is mostly relevant to me
0: yeah i, I mean i've always just felt like logically speaking there's just no other way that this is not like there's no other path for these guys um they're at the point where if they don't fight each other unless they pull a rabbit out of their hat's like say Ryan does fight Manny Pacquiao or Tank fights Keith Thurman or something there's no other path forward that i see that makes sense for these guys where they don't take big negative hits on their pr and the the opponents available doesn't make sense i think these two guys i think certain fighters come up around the same time and they're just it seems like they're they're like they're just meant for each other uh sometimes it's just timing sometimes it's like styles that make sense uh you you could say like right now it looks like boots and virgil are going to be those those two guys that it's like it looks it looks like they might be meant for each other we'll see how they develop but like for ryan and tank that's how it seemed and now as as they've grown and, mature and as, matured as fighters, it's really clear that those two dudes are made for each other. So I think that fight is, is definitely next. And the the tweets all feel like, feels like it's moving in the right direction. I think probably mid to late December is when we're going to get that fight. And yeah, I hope everyone is happy. Because if there's one thing that we have a tendency to do in boxing, I think we're all guilty of it, including us two here, is not celebrating enough not giving boxing the pat on the back that it deserves and if that fight gets made i think big pat on the back to showtime who presumably is gonna put that one together uh but pat on the back for ryan and tank for figuring it out getting their teams on board and and making the fight happen um let's see there was another thing i wanted to talk about i forgot about it shit I should have wrote it down. It was something that like wasn't really tied to like news or anything like that. It was just something that I was thinking of today, or maybe it was yesterday, and I didn't. I, didn't. I mean, was
1: this like a boxing topic or?
0: It was kind of a boxing topic. It was like a, it was just something like a take that was kind of generic, like on boxing at large. Uh, anyway, coming up this weekend, Deontay Wilder returns. He will be facing Robert Hellenius. Let me ask you. You, former member of the bomb squad, hmm. you were kicked out. <laughs> um, what percentage chance are you confident that Deontay is going to win on Saturday?
1: I'm going to give it 65 to 35 in favor of Deontay. And, uh, you know, if this was prior to his training style, I would say 100. But, I, you know, we, we've never seen this new and improved Deontay He could get under the lights and be trying to, like, do weird shit we've never seen before that doesn't work for him. Or he could just, like, have added a couple wrinkles, but really it's still the same old guy. So until I see what, you know, what it looks like, you have to, how do you say, err on the side of caution, I believe. Right? Yep. Yes. So, I mean, Wilder will forever be the guy, one of my favorites all time. And I do expect him to win. I just hope the uh, Malik didn't put too much on his plate, basically
0: um yeah, i it's really interesting um that they've kind of changed up their entire uh, at least from what we can tell, changed up their whole training strategy. Uh, It looks like Deontay is looking to go back down in weight and be a lot leaner than he's been in the last few fights. Which, you know, when he was lean, he was a lot faster, I think. He's always been... I mean, he's been quick, even in his last fight. But um, it seems like they're going more heavy on speed and stamina, which, I mean, what... I I fail to see really the logic behind it. Because when you got Deontay, he's a pretty low output fighter. When he's not fought against Tyson Fury, his stamina seems to have held up really well in all of his fights. So I don't really know what the strategy there is. But I guess we have to trust that Malik knows what he's doing and thinks that this is what's best for Deontay for this fight. But I, I think your percentage chance that you give your confidence level is pretty similar to where mine is in that I'm pretty confident that Deontay's is going to win, but I have, I don't know. I have a sneaking suspicion that this could be a lot harder for Deontay than, than people are realizing. I mean, the other thing is like, look, you don't suffer the two losses that Deontay's had back to back and then just come out and be magically. Okay. Even if Deontay wins the fight, I just imagine that, there's some part of it. There's a part of him that, you know, is just gone with the combination of ha- having suffered the losses, but also got to remember Deontay's not young. Deontay has been on the scene for a very long time. I mean, this dude fought in what the 2008 Olympics? There ain't too many dudes who were in the 2008 Olympics that are still active who like weren't 18 years old. To name it exactly, Deontay is 36 years old. So,
1: it's just totally a question mark. Like, I don't care like how big a Wilder fan you are. The only people who know is really to, what to really expect is if you saw a Wilder sparring, which is like, it's going to be like a handful of people. If you're like us who haven't seen that, you have to go into this fight blindfolded. Like, I, I don't know how Helanius is coming. I don't know how Wilder's coming. I mean, prior to Helenius beating Kalnaki and Wilder in fury and Wilder changing his style, the odds would be, like, minus 2,000 Wilder, Hellenius, like, plus plus a 1,000. I mean, probably not that wide, but, like, this is not a guy you give any chance against Wilder at all. But given that he just, Wilder was in two incredibly tough fights and switched his style up, I, I, no one can sit here and be like, I know what to expect. Like, you'd be a liar. I don't know what guy, who was showing up.
0: Um, the co-main, Caleb Plant versus Anthony Durrell. That is a pretty high level fight. I mean, you can say what you want about Anthony Durrell, and he's a, you know, that dude is a, a bit long in the tooth. But I think the one thing about this fight is that if this was a Benavidez, if this was David Morell, I would feel a lot differently about this fight. But I think what makes this really interesting to me is that I don't think Kayla Plank can hurt Durrell. And I think that is going to be a big problem. I don't think as well that Caleb Plant is physically stronger than Darrell. That is going to be a problem. I think Darrell has always been a guy that has made fights very, uh, let's just say, uh, rough and tumble. He knows how to use his strength. And like, I don't know, we have not seen Caleb Plant. Uzkategui did it a little bit, and Caleb started to struggle in that fight. Um, But we haven't seen somebody go at Caleb Plant and make it physical. Canelo didn't do it, but I mean, he still got to him late. So, Caleb's changed his team. Not necessarily a big puncher. I think that there is, like, I'm not going to pick. I mean, maybe I will, but like I don't think that there's a I don't think that it's like a foregone conclusion that Caleb Plant wins this fight. That's what I'll say. I think Darrell is a live dog here. And, I mean, his nickname is the dog, but I really think that Darrell is pretty live in this fight. And I wouldn't be shocked if Darrell pulled off the upset. Or at a, at a minimum, made Caleb look like shit.
1: <laughs> Caleb made an interesting point. That kind of changed my perspective about the fight. He said, when is the last time that Darrell beat a true super middleweight? And I was like, essentially, kind of kind of valid. Like, let's pull up Darrell's box wreck, right? when like, what's his last victory against like like legitimate like clearly beat this dude like Yildrum was coming back on him. marcos hernandez is like what is like a super welterweight i guess kyron davis is a middleweight he lost to benavidez abraham Han is not a super welter uh, i mean i'm sorry super middleweight i don't think right is he no, I mean, he's trash anyway, so whatever. <laughs> Dennis Doglin, I mean, you gotta kind of go back, man. You gotta go back to like, he lost a body. I don't know. No,
0: that's a good I'm idea. picking
1: Plant. I agree with you totally, but when Plant said that, I think it may have been with Brian Custer. I was like, wait a minute. That shit kind of makes some sense.
0: No, no, no. that's And
1: also, that something we have to take into consideration. Yo, Dorok gets cut against everybody. The only person that didn't cut. Durrell was Caleb Truex, and he got knocked out in the first round. So, yeah, plan doesn't punch hard, but I think he punches hard enough to cut someone, and that, that could end up being uh, nah. an issue in this fight.
0: Darrell don't get cuts from punches; he gets cuts from headbutts. I mean, he could get headbutt then.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, no, David Benavides cut him with punch. Just, just saying.
0: I don't, I don't even remember, so I can't even, I can't say one way or the other. Uh, Also on the undercard. By the way, I I highly like. I'm gonna watch all the press stuff for this for this fight because I find it really hard to believe that Caleb Plant is not gonna do something to get under Darrell's skin. And these two don't need security at either a press conference or a workout or something like that. These two guys legitimately do not like each other. I I think Darrell more so doesn't like Caleb then the other way around but still there's like legitimate animosity there which seems to follow Caleb Plant everywhere he goes um but yeah i am I'm, I'm definitely hoping that on fight night we get the security guard or the 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 police guys standing in a diagonal line separating the ring before the fight like we had for i think it was Judah Molinaji. i think we also had it for Judah Danny Garcia as well Um, Gary Antonio Russell versus Emmanuel Rodriguez is also on this card. This is a, um, a rematch after their last fight ended in a headbutt and it went no contest. So I don't know. And then Frank Sanchez also will be on the card. He will fight Carlos Negron. Look, if Frank Sanchez can't put a damn good fight on with Carlos Negron, I don't know, man. Frank Sanchez might be good, and, and, like, he, you know, Frank Sanchez is a talented fighter, but that don't mean I got to want to watch him. This is his last shot. If he can't win me over here, hey, man, we're we're going our separate ways.
1: Man, I will say, if you're in the New York area, I highly recommend this card. Like, looking up and down, like, I'm on Boxer looking at the whole card. And the whole card is pretty good. I mean, you got Michelle Rivera also. You didn't mention him yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Giovanni Brusson. Who is one of these cuban heavyweights his only loss was against lanier perro and that fight was fire to be honest it was only eight rounder but they were really going back and forth i think this kid is like has legit potential his one loss i don't think will be a big deal like a couple years down the line he'll be one of the prospects at heavyweight that you should keep an eye on moving forward um another heavyweight fight gergen hovenesian versus Michael coffee Michael Coffey's back, and he's fighting like this six foot nine Armenian guy, six foot seven, whatever, with a hundred percent. I mean, he's only had three fights, right? But
0: but that is one hundred
1: percent KOs.
0: That is kind of crazy because this dude is three and know and Michael Coffey's not a great heavyweight, but he is an experienced one. That you know, you're not gonna toss in no normal three and zero guys. So the fact that they're giving this dude who's three and zero, Michael Coffey. Says to me that if this dude might be somebody to watch, I don't know. I haven't heard too much about him, I don't know what his backstory is, and I haven't bothered to look into it. But, um, when you're six foot seven, you weigh 280 or so. He, his weight has fluctuated between 277 and 291 in his three fights thus far, which leads me to believe that, um, he is a very big boy. I don't know, man, could be something fun. Uh, I
1: think that's going to be a fun fight. And by the way, Ron Katz, shout to my guy, Ron Katz on Twitter, PVC's main matchmaker, I think. He confirmed that this fight will be, I think, the opener on FS2. So if you're not in the New York area, we will get to see that fight. You should watch it if you know, you're know you this far in the podcast with us. Check that fight out. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah, and there's a bunch of other like little kind of small matchups, but they are at least competitive on paper. You know, Michael Angeletti versus J- Jeremy Adorno, both undefeated. Miguel Roman versus Jose Negret, both undefeated. Keyshawn Williams versus Julio Rosa, only one loss for both guys. So th- these are these are decent matchups that we have on the card. So at a minimum, at least you'll be inter- hopefully entertained by the mashups. Um, but Saturday is a packed day, so let's head over to look at the other fights. So um, unfortunately, I. I really hate that this is happening, but it is. Devin Haney will be rematching um, George Cambosos in Australia, a fight that, you know, if we think of fights that probably don't need a rematch, this has got to be close to the top of the list. And that fight was very clear. Who won every second of every round? I don't think Cambosos really did anything. But somebody tossed out a pretty interesting... Um, point today a couple of the cards were not I mean not terribly close but they were close enough and he says given that this is happening in Australia again and the last fight was very wide at least the way we saw it but still um you know cambozo has got pretty favorable cards if Cambozo's improves a little bit it's not inconceivable to think that he could beat Haney here And I was like, you know what? That's a very good point because if two rounds go differently, that is a draw already, or at least a win for for Cambosis on these cards. And it kind of makes it like, I mean, look, it makes it slightly compelling, but not really because I don't really want to watch a fight because I think that the judges will fuck up. That's just not a a great reason to want to watch a fight. The fight wasn't fun to watch, first of all, but second of all. Haney's just—I mean—I don't want to say he's like so much better than Cambosos, but I just find it hard to believe that any version of Cambosos, even on Cambosos' the best day of his life, he—he he would ever have the style and ability to beat somebody like Devin Haney. It's just that—that—that's just it's just like Devin Haney's just always going to beat Cambosos. That's how it goes.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm. <laughs> I'm not. This may sound effed up or whatever. The. The, the Devin Haney movement doesn't excite me that much. Like, I think there's either three or four cards, right? How many cards are there this Saturday? Is it four or three? Because you have the ladies, you have the ladies, is that card, we're which is about- awesome. Huh? Three we're talking about. But no, in total, like, with, the, with that we're talking about or not talking about, there's Wilder, the ladies, Haney, and is that it? Or is there one more?
0: I think so. There's one that's happening, I think, the day before or the like two days before. Okay. So, not, not on Saturday. So, on Saturday,
1: the Haney card interests me the least by far. Just oh, like the, the, the matchup isn't fun. The likelihood that there will be an upset is low. The, the, stylistically handy is not that fun to watch. PB, the women's card will probably, it's going to be starting in the afternoon, I'm pretty sure. So, I'll be watching that and then the wilder card if you include like the youtube fs2 the regular fox which will probably show like vito melnicki or something i mean yeah vito and then the pay per view there's really no room for me to be watching devin and i, I know that may piss some people off but he it, he's it, just not like that day devin is, is on the lower on the totem pole no
0: not, i mean it's look it's not any reflection on devin but devin's not the most entertaining fighter and like if you look at all these fights that are happening on Saturday, which is the one that you probably would benefit the most from just seeing the highlights of, I think, is the Devin Haney-Campozas fight, based off of the fact that we already know how it played out. It played out one time. For most people, I think it played out exactly the way they thought it was. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, I'll watch it either after the fact, uh, probably after the fact, but I mean, I'm just not looking forward to it. Definitely. Way more looking forward to the Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall fight, which will headline in the UK. Um, that is for the Undisputed Women's Middleweight Championship. We're not going to do the thing. We're not that podcast where we're going to like act like we know what we're talking about here on women's boxing. Because like, I think it's only fair that we classify ourselves as casual at best followers of women's boxing. And then on the co-main, Michaela Mayer versus Elisa Baumgarner. I don't know if this is going to be a fun fight to watch. I don't think either of them have like, you know, crazy power or anything like that. But the chirping that they've done at each other over the past few months that this fight has been made, it, it, it has that, that, uh, that bad blood feel to it that will add a level of excitement that you don't typically get when you, you do the whole I respect my opponent thing.
1: No, I mean, like, this is, it's, you know, like, this is, again, like you said, we're not the biggest fans of women's boxing, but I think it's I fair to say, say that like, this is, that. <laughs> whatever I said, it. Still, this is like pound for pound matchup of two of the best women fighters in the sport. And, you know like you got to give it up for that you know maybe not everyone loves women's boxing that's cool but if you're at all interested like this is the foot this is one of the fights you should be checking out and we also get the Michaela Mayer and Bumgarner joint right is that happening still yeah and that's another one of it's just two girls talking trash maybe one gets knocked out maybe one gets embarrassed and outboxed either way like it's a good card, man. You got you to give it up for that card. They, they put a good one together.
0: I'm not going to say, unlike you, that I'm not a fan of women's boxing. I'm just a casual. Like, I'm a casual MMA fan. Like, I, I tend to, whether I consciously know it or not, find myself watching the big fights, but not necessarily knowing anything about it.
1: Yeah, I didn't mean not a fan, I just meant casual. That's a better way to put it.
0: Better better way to frame it. Yeah. So Saturday, we are busy. Lex, I, I need you to not be excited about anything. I need you to not um you know, <laughs> look forward to anything because we know how that goes.
1: Look, I ordered my my bomb squad pay-per-view. I'm prepared for Saturday, and we take it from there. I'll definitely be in front of a TV all day. I know that because I will be watching the women's card, and from there I'm going straight to FS2. To FS1, to the pay per view, or to Fox, or whatever. However, yeah, it's. I don't ordered. even
0: know what the what the what the schedule looks like because I haven't got. Or if it. they
1: have, if they have some fights on YouTube, whatever. Like whatever Fox is, is feeding me. I'm I'm eating everything. Yeah, appetizer, course, dessert,
0: all that. Because there's a uh, college football, uh, this um this weekend. But anyway, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, you want more stuff on the pregame today. We talked a little bit about. You know, signs and symptoms of somebody using PEDs in the sport. We talked about um, Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. We talked about, I don't even remember what we talked about. We talked about a bunch of things before we recorded. Get access to that over at slash Sunday is It is uh, $1 or more, whatever you want. And you get access to not just that, but you get access to the community. You get to join the chat. You get to talk to people who, Uh, I mean, assuming you like this podcast that also like the podcast. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know. Maybe all these people, maybe you guys are all gaslighting me and that nobody actually likes the podcast. And you guys are in the chat just like, I don't know, entertaining me all day. Who knows? But um, for $1, you can find out. So, you know, that's probably a good deal. Patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. If you like the podcast, leave a rating or review that helps uh, especially if you leave a good one that really helps and we really like that it just makes us feel good and you wouldn't want us to feel bad so if you want to make us feel good about ourselves leave a good rating or review Um, anything else I think that's it Saturday's packed lots of boxing I don't know if we're going to do an immediate post fight we probably will actually after the Deontay fight we'll see how we feel but thanks for listening we will be back next week